0: Hello and welcome to the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. I'm Steve Smith, your host. If you're not in lockdown, consider yourself one of the lucky few in Australia. This is episode number 21. A quick intro for you into today's episode we have walking the fairways making a fantastic return I might say with some news coming out from Greg Norman and it's to do with a location in South Australia. We've also got a course in Queensland that's just reopened after resurfacing their greens. And some new work happening on a couple of courses in WA. Now I'll also have on the podcast today a chat with Locke and Leash, who are the couple behind Finding Fairways Australia, and they're embarking on an amazing adventure around Australia itself, and you guessed it, they're finding some fairways to play golf on. All that coming up, let's get stuck into Walking the Fairways. Welcome, welcome once again to Walking the Fairways, which makes a fantastic return to my podcast so i can keep you up to date let's kick it off straight up where we go into south australia now earlier in july greg norman and his greg norman golf course design firm had come out with an announcement of the relaunch of a port lincoln golf course residential project down on the air peninsula in south australia in partnership with dean lucan jr you're probably wondering where do i know that name dean lucan from have I heard it before? Well, you have. I'm sure you have. Now, Dean Lucan Jr. is a son of one of our greatest Australian Olympian stories, greatest Australian Olympic stories in general. And uh, his name is Dean Lucan Sr. Basically, Dean Lucan as we knew it. And he won gold for us in the super heavyweight division of the weightlifting in the 1984 LA Games. And Dean Lucan these days is half the size of the man he was back then. But he won a gold medal, and it was a hell of a story. Uh, which you may or may not have heard about, I'm sure, in years gone by. Now, this is a relaunch of a previous project, as I mentioned, that that obviously stalled well after it was announced back in 2012. But uh, look, the master plan development is a big deal, and they're obviously hoping for things to really kick right off after this recent announcement. It's a big deal because they're talking of being around a $600 to $700 million exercise. Now, that is how big a deal it is, that's huge. From a golf point of view, it's possibly got good bones already being on the side of a former BHP sand mine to start off with. So look, that always makes things fantastic. Anywhere that you know you've got plenty of sand and BHP would have known that and they would have been hunting for it. So it's a uh, it's a defunct site now and it looks like they want it to be part of this, this big master plan development. A little bit of a gimmicky side to it possibly is the original concept design that was immediately released by Lucan. Of a few holes at the centre of the golf course being in the shape of a giant, wait for it, a giant shark, does look a little bit average at best. But hey, look, each to their own, I guess. And 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 we we've, we've seen this at plenty of places. You see it on a lot of resort courses around the world. Um, Riverside Oaks and the Bungal course in Western Sydney, for example, they've got a bunker on their 18th that's in the shape of the logo of Riverside Oaks. These things happen. And if that's what they want to do, so be it. Um, You know, good luck to them. I I just think it probably, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, But a big deal with Greg Norman being involved with uh, with the development itself. And the course hasn't been designed. It's a concept stuff. It hasn't been specifically designed as such yet, as yet by one of the statements coming out of Greg Norman Golf Course Design. And look, from time to time, uh, Greg Norman's involved in a lot of developments and there are those that don't get off the ground. There's one at Dapto, south of Sydney in the Wollongong area, that Huntley's Heritage that fell over. There's another one that uh, was up in the Sundays. I think it was Lindeman Island that fell over as well, hasn't actually got off the ground. Uh, but this one's come back from 2012, so it's been nine years and uh, the Lukens are getting this one off the ground and they reckon that they're going to go with it this time. So we'll see how things go and we'll try and keep you up to date about the uh, this deal at Port Lincoln. Now from Port Lincoln in South Australia, we jump east. We stay in South Australia, we go over the Spencer Gulf, across the York Peninsula, and straight past St. Vincent Golf into Adelaide's eastern suburbs to Glenelg Golf Club. Now there's been plenty happening at Glenelg with the removal, just to name a few, with the removal of a bunker on the 6th fairway and they've returfed over it, they've got rid of that and eliminated it from the hole altogether. And they've started construction work on some mounting and a new bunker on the right-hand side of the hole. Now, if you know the golf course, and I've never been there myself, you'll probably know where I'm talking about. And it's going to slightly adjust how the hole's played. So one to keep an eye on, and we'll see how this unfolds at Glenelg. Uh, but some interesting changes happening there. They've also planted out the carry area on their par 3 16th hole as you close out your round as well there at Glenelg. So a few things going on through the winter months at Glenelg in South Australia, which is good to see. We move into Queensland now, and uh, earlier in July, we, uh, we saw the reopening of the Pines course at Sanctuary Cove Golf Resort there on the Gold Coast. And that's been closed since earlier in the start of 2021, with all 18 greens being resurfaced with Tiff Eagle Cooch under the skillful direction of Superintendent Paul McLean. Now, Paul and his team have done a fantastic job Getting the new surfaces up and open for play. And I can say from what I saw when I was there earlier this year, a couple of months ago, um, I saw them in the mid growing phase. They were fantastic then. They were growing in very, very well. And they're going to be magical surfaces. Magical surfaces. And you can see a little bit about that if you like. You can go back to one of my previous IGTVs on my Instagram page uh, where I interviewed Paul on the, uh, I think it was the 18th green of the Pines course. And we, talked a little bit about the Tiff Eagle and showed you some uh, images of the surface growing in, which is sensational. D- you know, It's going to be a great a great surface. And Tiff Eagle is one of the more modern coochers now for warm season and warm climates as a warm season grass for green surfaces. And it's got great results, great reviews, certainly across the world, which is why uh, at Sanctuary Cove, they've wanted to bring it in for their pines, which is probably their um, sort of more well-known courses there at Sanctuary Cove of the two tracks they have. And uh, the Pines is well; it's the only Arnold Palmer-designed golf course in Australia. So there you go, good stuff. And we uh, we stay on the Gold Coast. We go to Lynx Hope Island, has uh, which they've officially opened their new par three, full water carry ninth hole. It's been a few months in waiting, and now their members and visitors can enjoy the challenge of of uh, Hope Island with a new ninth hole which i'm sure will be fun to play in the closing stages of your front nine scores so that was built earlier in the year by golf spectrum and nathan bradbury the man behind that business the golf construction company the team at lynx hope island have been Growing it in very, very well over the last couple of months, even though it's into the, the slower times of the year, but they've finally got it up and open for play, and everyone, no doubt, will be excited to play it and test their hand at a full water carry on the 9th, the new hole. Now, we stay in Queensland, and we move north to the Sunshine Coast to Cloundra Golf Club, and they've been busy during the winter months as well, like it sounds like a lot of people have been, and they've been doing some more bunker reshaping. Done on some of the holes, including the large fairway bunker on the first hole, and also the left greenside bunker of the first, the 11th greenside bunker, and also the 12th greenside bunker. So there's a bit going on there. They've changed the shapes, they've adjusted the look and the way that the, those bunkers will play. Now they're also so there's a little bit of work happening in their bunkers there at Calandra. Great to see. They're also kicking off stage two of their irrigation upgrades. So look, Calandra have been really getting some improvement work done to their course in a number of areas. And if you're on the Sunshine Coast, it's probably one you want to get out there and play to see the improvements. And I'm sure come springtime, it will really start to take shape and really look fantastic there at Calandra. So great stuff happening up in Queensland. Now we bounce all the way over to Western Australia to Kalgoorlie Golf Club, the wonderful desert golf course, Graham Marsh Design, that is Kalgoorlie Golf Club. Now they've been busy doing some of the lesser known tasks carried out by green keepers, and that is to remove the cooch grass which has been encroaching and creeping into the green edges on holes 5, 9, 11, 14 and 15 are where they're carrying out the works. And they've been going about this manually this time around, and that's due to a few difficulties in procuring some of the herbicides which we use in the industry to control couch grass creeping into greens and and that sort of stuff. And that's all based around, you know, what people can get access to. These products are all imported usually, so there's difficulties as as we know in a COVID world, getting hold of this sort of stuff. So they've gone, look, you know what, bugger it. We're just going to get on with the job instead of waiting forever to an unknown date, and they're going to do it manually. And that requires digging out the edges of the greens where the cooch is growing in and replacing it with new turf. And what that means is when you've got to dig it out, you've got to dig it out deep enough to get rid of the roots of the cooch grass itself. Personally, I think this will probably work out to be a better way of doing it because cooch grass is so strong. And once you remove the roots... You get rid of those rhizomes where the, the cooch can re, regenerate from, and that's always difficult even still with herbicide applications to, to make sure you get all that because quite often there's rhizomes there that haven't popped up with leaf, and uh, they're still under the surface. So look, it can be a difficult process uh, with herbicide control, but they're going about it manually, getting on with it at Cal, and uh, it's a big deal to, uh, to get on with this sort of stuff. And the main reason is because if you have cooch... Uh, and you let it go wild from the edges, it'll, it'll eventually take over and have, you'll have some big patches that you've got to deal with. And ultimately, it's all about your ball. When you guys play out there on the green surfaces, it's about keeping consistency in the speed of your greens. And if you have cooch in a cool season green grass, for example, you'll have different speeds and different feel. And uh, you don't need to have that. You don't want to have that on a golf course. You want to try and keep things as consistent as possible. So that's the reason that we go about removing different grass types that creep in from the edges. And that's what they're doing at Kalgoorlie. Now we move into the suburbs of Perth to Quinana Golf Club where Ben Davey from Contour Golf has been doing some design work for the club with some changes being put forward for their, I'm going to say reasonably featureless par 3 sixth hole and I don't mean that in a um, detrimental way. Uh, it's just how it is. It's an old green, it's a push-up style green, not much going on there on the hole. So they've decided to bring in Ben Davey and do some new uh, and put some new ideas to the hole and the new design is includes which is going to include nearly doubling the size of the putting surface but lowering it in height by nearly around two meters and uh, that can that's being done by slightly bringing the tee, f- uh, the green further towards the tees. So uh, some big changes there. It's going to have uh, a lot more strategy involved with the hole for part three, with some greenside bunkers being introduced, and uh, and some new interesting contours and levels into the green surface as well. Uh, the tees. The tees will be uh, increased in size, so they're looking at all parts of the golf hole itself. The tees will be increased in size, and that's going to allow for better spreading of the wear, which is always important on par threes. I always stress it. Usually par three tees are not big enough, uh, certainly for a lot more of the uh, older clubs and courses and even regional courses as well. So they're doing a lot of changes on that hole in the sixth or They've got put forward to do a lot of changes and hopefully Quinana can come through with the goods and they will uh, get it up and going and we'll keep an eye on it and I'll let you know about how that goes along. So uh, good stuff there from Ben Davy and Quinana, And that's all the stuff about golf course upgrades guys. But what I do want to do is I want to bring in that sustainable golf little portion of walking the fairways and I'm going to go to New South Wales where there's been an announcement that the New South Wales Golf Course Superintendents Association have recently partnered with Landcare New South Wales uh, and they're creating, well, it's for for a, a new project called Creating Canopies, for the Creating Canopies project. I'll get it right, I'll get it out. Creating Canopies project, and that's the partnership that they're involved with. Now, this project is designed to allow for the planting of local tree species, Within the mapped urban heat island of the Sydney Metro area, now the idea of that is obviously is to help minimise the uh, the the heating from the urban area by increasing the canopy as much as what I just said. Um, and Landcare New South Wales have funding f- to plant around a hundred thousand trees, focusing on the areas with the uh, high urban heat issues. So they've nominated um, golf courses in that area, all the golf courses in that region, if they're members of the uh, New South Wales Association, they can they can get access to part of this funding for the 100,000 trees. And in addition to the free trees, Landcare New South Wales can provide advice on the right species for the area where the golf courses are located to make sure that they're endemic to the area. And uh, they will also organize volunteers for larger planting events, so that they can assist the golf club with doing it. So basically, they're saying look, if the golf club's gonna wanna do this stuff to their course and increase the, some of their trees and, and plant out some areas with trees, Landcare are gonna offer them access to, to paying for the supply of the trees, but also getting them in the ground. And that, that's a great partnership to have. So, look, I love to hear about this stuff because there, there are plenty of amenity, co- amenity areas out there on plenty of courses that are out of the way that should be rehabilitated, in my opinion, back to their native environment. And that's, you know, you go and look at some of the best courses in the country and they weave around in local endemic natural areas. And that's what they're trying to do in plenty of other courses. We heard about what Nathan Bradbury, the superintendent of East Eastlake, has done on the eastern suburbs of Sydney, uh, winning the Claude Crockford Award for all the work that he's put forward and the club's doing together as well to uh, rehabilitate a lot of areas on the course. We hear about what they want to do at Royal Sydney, for example, with the same sorts of thing with the eastern suburbs, banksia scrub, native areas too. So... These things are important to bring into golf courses and I've talked about some of the South Australian clubs doing their work in rehabilitating areas as well. What I will say though, and there's plenty of areas on golf courses that are maintained turf that just don't need to be, but I will say this. I will say that I want to see golf courses that take up this this, uh, new project and this opportunity to do the appropriate planning to designate the area suitable for this type of work so that it's sustainable. Not only sustainable to achieve the desired outcome of increasing canopy cover, but obviously also improving the golf course in a way that doesn't mean in 10 years from now all those trees that they've planted will need to be trimmed or removed or cut back or done whatever because they've grown too large for the area that they selected which ultimately may have been the wrong area. Do your homework. If you're a member of the club and you mention this to them, to your boards, committees, if you're a committee member and you're listening to this in New South Wales, do your homework. If you're going to access this and be part of this partnership and this sustainability initiative from New South Wales Golf Course Superintendents Association with Landcare, if you're going to be part of it, do your homework and do it properly. Designate areas to rehabilitate and uh and really make sure that it's something that's going to be a long-term asset and improvement to the golf course and not just a temporary we'll go and get 500 plants and we'll just whack them out here that's just the worst scenario and we've seen over plantings and an encroachment from trees into closing hole corridors and all that sort of stuff so it's about doing it properly working out where to go and this can be a real asset to any golf course and any golf club in new south wales certainly in the sydney area where it's targeting it's just going to improve those areas, and uh, we love to see it. And I'll keep talking about sustainable golf. And that's walking the fairways, guys. A quick return to it, and I hope you've enjoyed being updated by it. Now let's get stuck into uh, a new segment with Lock and Leash. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just felt it time. Time again in a world that for most of the eastern half of Australia has been in lockdown, still in lockdown, thinking about coming out of lockdown, not sure which sort of lockdown they want. But I feel that we need to talk about a bit of golf, feel like we need to get out of our cages a little bit somehow, some way, and let's do it with a conversation. And I want to introduce you to a couple that I met uh, in Sydney and, um, look, let's just get into it. I'm going to call it the Lock and Leash Show. Lock and Leash, welcome, guys, to the Golf Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. Thanks, Steve.
1: Hi, Steve. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you so much for coming along. Look, I, I think back to, what was it? Was it earlier this year when, of course, in Sydney we could get out and about, but you, we sort of caught up with each other by sheer chance at the Players Series at Bonnie Doon, wasn't it? Was it earlier this year? Yeah, it feels like a long time ago, the player Series. Uh, but, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Our home course, Bonnie Doon. That's right. And of course, you, you're members at Bonnie Doon. So it was, was it out of curiosity, what was it like seeing a tournament basically at your home club? Because that's not something we often get to see either.
2: Uh, it was actually good because, like, uh, you know, it's annoying that the, the course closes down for a week because you want to play as much golf as possible. Yeah, um, sure. But uh, it was good to see, like, uh, how the, the pros approach the course, you know, like those guys are hitting the balls into spots that the uh, average golfer isn't generally getting to. Uh, yep. So it's good to see how they attack the course and they can get themselves into just as much trouble as the amateur as well in the, a few of the native areas.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So look, a, a little introduction to everyone from you guys. Like I said, we met at Bonnie Doon at your home course. Now, you guys are a a couple that got into golf together. Tell us a little bit about how together you sort of embarked into the sport that we all know and love as golf. How did that happen?
1: God, I think it was through me actually, Steve. Um, Weirdly enough, (laughs) I don't know. I know. And it was because I started a job at a bank um, and pretty much all the guys in my team played golf and they bonded through golf. Um, And I thought, well, yeah, if I'm going to fit in with this team, then I better learn how to play um yeah and i think i thought it was going to be quite an easy game and i'd just go and get a few lessons and i'd be right and then uh (laughs) quickly learn that that is not the case
0: a a great air of optimism there i love that
1: yeah just absolutely naive as anything so yeah kind of learned uh the hard way that it was it's a very difficult game but but a very fun one so i think that's how i started
2: yeah then once once Lee started playing uh I was like, oh, I used to dabble a little bit back in high school, you know, summer holidays. You just go out with your mates and have a hit. And then uh, Leish was like, oh, I'm going to get into this golf thing. I was like, oh, I don't mind if I do. You know, my <laughs> I was playing I was playing Aussie Rules at the time. Um, yeah. That, that uh, was slowly dwindling with injuries. You know, when you're 25, you think you can play forever. But then the sure. season-ending injuries quickly brought that to a halt. Um, yeah, but, right. Yeah, and then... Just uh, jumped on the band wagon like Leish and just went all in.
0: So I, I'm going to ask you, just knowing that it was kind of a little bit in a a, a reverse role, I think because more often than not, I think guys are the ones out playing golf and they get their wives involved. It's a, a way to sort of get them together or their girlfriends, or whatever it might be. But Leish, for you and I suppose getting into golf with the group at work and that sort of thing, what was it like – in a little bit in reverse where you got lockout to, to join you for golf was it was it something that you enjoyed that side of things and how was that competitiveness between you know you guys as partners and males and females how does that work about yeah it
1: was pretty funny because I remember the first few lessons I would come home and and try to show lock what I'd learned um, <laughs> which which would have been absolutely abysmal but um that was that was all good fun and then I don't know, suddenly you got very into it, Locke, Um, and I remember playing early on, and we were both pretty rubbish at that stage, but I think um, I remember Locke being a bit fearful that I was going to be better than him, which is just pretty (laughs) funny now, because he is much better than I'll ever be, but yeah, it was just kind of funny. And then it was also a bit interesting as to how we got involved in Bonnie Doon, because I just happened to hear about this program called Girls on the Green, um, which is run by Denise Hutton, one of the pros there. And, and she's amazing. And she's probably one of the main reasons that I actually you know, enjoy playing golf. Yeah. Um, and so she started doing these lessons. And then that's sort of how Locke decided to end up joining Bonnie Doon over a couple of other clubs that you were looking at. So... It was this, yeah, kind of weird. I guess reverse role from from how it usually happens. Um, but yeah, I guess I've always enjoyed being using golf as a my sort of fun sport and one that I really enjoy, but don't take seriously. Um, whereas I think Locke takes it a bit more seriously and actually wants to improve, which is probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, well, and look, it's it's actually really. I'm so glad you mentioned that you had that bit of um, guidance and, and local community at, at Bonnie Doon. And for any club, for that matter, to, to have that a bit of a drive for women and a community group collectively for, for women and, and, and females, whether it be juniors and girls and whatever, to get into golf because we often hear from the out, for, for, sorry from internally and, and you hear commentary outside the sport that it's basically males only dominated and all that sort of stuff. But there's, there are clubs and there are groups in uh, in clubs that are now starting to drive that women's side and the female side into the sport, which is great to see. And you obviously had a good experience at Bonnie Doon with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a real testament to the GM, Richard um, and Denise and everyone else that's involved at the club that they've made a really genuine push to get both uh, women, more women involved and also more uh, younger members involved. So we just felt... Yeah, extremely welcome from the start and, and not at all like it was a, a stuffy golf club or, or one that was only geared towards, you know, in commas, good players. So it's just been fantastic. And we often refer to it as a, a bit of an oasis in the city, really, because um, it's just that really welcoming, friendly place.
0: That's fantastic to hear. And I've just recently uh, got myself hold of the history of Bonnie Doon. And incidentally, it's one of the first golf clubs in Sydney to form back in 1897. So, I mean, it's got, it's steeped in history. And yet, here we are listening to you guys as members from the inside talking about how, like that community drive within the club and how it's open to new people and different types of people away from some of the stereotypes, which I think people don't, like I said, outside the sport. People and the commentary isn't about that. We often hear about that the stereotypical stuff. And it's it's really good to see that a club of that age is always looking to be ahead of the curve and try and introduce different types of people to the sport. And I think that's fantastic and a a plus for Bonnie Doon. There you go. That's great. Um, But look, I want to talk about you guys and there's a little bit to this journey of yours and you've got uh, a a thing going called Finding Fairways Australia. So I'll talk a little bit about and ask you questions about your golf journey. So I want to, I'm curious to know how you would describe yourselves as golfers, sort of what, skill level are you are you you know, really competitive you know out there to try and beat each other and beat people you play with or is it more for entertainment and just a general sort of fitness and being outdoors how do you feel about your type of golf uh for me uh well i'm an accountant by trade so i'm very much a
2: numbers-based person so <laughs> when i started getting into golf three years ago um i've actually got every single scorecard in a spreadsheet that i've no uh, way that i've played so for me it's about <laughs> seeing like the the improvement or uh, as this year's going the uh stagnation of the
0: <laughs> golf game <laughs> a, a true numbers man there you go that's an interesting one you've got it all listed on a spreadsheet i love yeah. it you can track it and see where the trends are all the stats all the all the areas to improve Wow, it's st- I'm starting to think of a, a a Bryson DeChambeau sort of a shots gained on fairway, shots gained from the team. I've got to find
2: some fairways first. That's my biggest
0: problem <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and what about you, Leash? How do you feel? What's what's golf for you like?
1: Oh gosh, I am. I describe myself as a happily a beginner who's had a lot. Of- um, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really yeah I for me it's a fun thing to do and it's a nice way to spend time with people that's you know outdoors generally in a lovely landscaped environment and you know you're being active you're challenging yourself but it's about having fun um so that's what I love about the sport and I there was a long time when I didn't even keep score um I think I was only convinced to get a handicap because I had an Ambrose uh, work corporate day coming up and, and oh. said look if you go and get a really high handicap that'll really help out your team
0: <laughs> hello hello we've got a ring in we've got the ring in of the team Exactly.
1: <laughs> so i'm a happy a happy 45 uh contribution that doesn't really <laughs> m- might make the odd lucky putt but that's about it on a corporate day so that's my value <laughs>
0: and and it's great to hear I, I, it's funny because i've sort of gone in reverse myself i started out young and being competitive and now when i play it's purely for enjoyment and it's- and to to enjoy other people's company when you're allowed in in brackets but i yeah that's great to hear that you have you kind of got your own different um personal ways of enjoying the sport as well and and whether it's through self-improvement so a little bit of that sort of stuff but enjoyment with people and and different sort of i suppose experiences in golf as well uh that's really good to hear because we often again I, I think of stereotypes and there's this uh, often commentary most uh, pertinent at the moment about golf is that it's, it's just about people going out to compete and only compete against each other or against their handicap and less so about whether it be leisurely fitness or enjoyment or entertainment just with each other's company and that sort of stuff. So good to see that you guys see it that way as well, which I love to hear because that's how I view it. Let's talk a little bit about Finding Fairways Australia and I've mentioned at the start of the, this uh, interview that you're on a journey, you, you, you've got a, a camper van together or a van together and convert it. Tell us what this, and, and I say this because anyone listening, if you haven't already thought about it, go and look up Finding Fairways Aus, A-U-S on, on Instagram and they've got a website, these guys. Tell us about this journey. What what are you guys embarking on at the moment? Now I've got you on the phone here. You're in some part of northwestern Queensland. Yeah, we're currently in the the camping area at Mount Isa Golf Club.
2: So <laughs> ten bucks a night. <laughs> uh, I'm parked up here, looking over the the fairway. I'm not sure what hole it is. I'm going to go. Well, we're both going to go out tomorrow morning and, and play. So
0: nice, but, uh, nice. But
2: it all started. The, the journey with um,
0: at the start of the year, Leash got made redundant in her job. Right. I think she... that would have made things tough. You got to think about what's next, I suppose, in a very tumultuous period of society.
2: Yeah. Well, we were a bit lucky that we don't have any, you know, animals, kids, mortgages, things like that. So, yep. We were, we were at least sort of. Had this sort of pipe dream of just buying a van and converting. And once Leash gets an idea in her head, she pretty much just does it straight away. I think she bought a van within two weeks after that. Yeah, yeah right. And then somehow convinced me to take uh, six months off work, which uh, <laughs> they had to get. They had. Uh, I gave them six months warning, so they had to get that through their yeah. <laughs> their mindsets as well. Yeah,
1: sure. I basically drove the van up to Queensland and said, uh, "Hey, Dad, you want to help me convert this camper van?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we had a very busy three weeks with with absolutely no knowledge doing that, but it was a lot of fun. Um, wow. Yeah, and then I guess the the golf part just kind of came about pretty naturally because we thought, well, we're going to have we're going to be exploring a lot of small towns in Australia. Yeah. Um, and we're going to have a lot of time on our hands. And so what, what is a lovely way to experience a town? Uh, we thought, look, every town basically has a golf course. And so, you know, what a nice way to try and experience a place and hopefully also, you know, meet some locals, play in some local comps and, and fit in with part of the community in that way.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and, and the, in, in country towns, and I've been fortunate enough growing up in the Blue Mountains and, and spent a lot of my time playing golf in the central west of New South Wales. I've played a lot of regional golf courses as well, big and small. I, I find, and I, I love having this conversation and talking specifically to, to a lot of metropolitan people, people who live in the cities and play golf in the cities, that regional golf is very much community-based, and a golf course is often a social sort of centre for a lot of the really smaller townships where they might only have a nine-hole golf course, but it's really a way to get away from the the everyday relentless grind of particularly farm life and that sort of stuff that, that's just seasonal and, and it, it's out of your control of people, that they just get a mental break and they go and have fun and catch up with friends that they see once every now and then, isn't it? It's really those smaller townships, golf courses are, are very much a central sort of social region of, of those places, isn't it? Yeah,
2: definitely. It's and it's not even about the like the so the, the quality of the course or you know what architect designed it or what greens yeah. they have or if they have greens at all or any grass. Yeah, it's just about that's a, right. A spot to meet and if you got you know golf balls and golf sticks or borrow some off your mates, uh, you can go around and have fun.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's unreal. And and you you've played previous to this trip. Have you guys played? I, I think. It's not really a question so much. You've played some regional courses and some smaller tracks around New South Wales before embarking on this drive, this long journey, haven't you? You've already done a lot of stuff previous to the trip. Yes, that's that's how we sort of stumbled
2: upon it, right? I had started the Instagram account to sort of um, do like a visual diary of what golf courses I had played along the way, you know, in keeping with the spreadsheet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the visual. Then there's the numbers. Um, and then after a while, I sort of realised that, oh, hang on, I've played about 25%, 30% of the golf courses in New South Wales already without even realising.
0: Yeah, sure. Um,
2: and then so I was like, oh, hang on, let's just make this a challenge and try and play every grass green. I've, I've limited a grass green, even though I will play sand greens, but just yep. to make it a bit more manageable. <laughs> uh, I can tack on the sand greens at the end, but um, – yeah, just that would be a cool challenge to do. Not necessarily not this year, this year uh, but over the course of the next few years, would be that'd be a cool thing to do. People are trying to chase the top 100 courses. I'm just trying to chase the uh every golf course in New South Wales, their, their home state.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, look, and and I've seen some of the, the nine hole like country, tra- like I said, I've played some of the more established ones in pennants and stuff when I was younger. Um, and some of the play you've Orange and, and the Mudgies and and some of those areas around central New South Wales and I've seen some of the really the really unknowns that you've played as well and that's a little bit what you're doing you're playing courses that people wouldn't even know exist so far yeah. already haven't you
2: yeah definitely
0: and that's the like I love the I love the golf travel
2: aspect about golf I sort of see you know your, your weekly round at your home club is sort of like a, a prelude to a golf trip. And that's when when the real golf experience comes out. Um, I love that. Love the mix of travel and golf. Um, So then whenever there's an opportunity to go play a a course, I do as much research as possible. And a lot of these small country tracks actually don't have any information on them. So (laughs) the purpose of the websites to actually give some of these smaller country courses a bit of kudos that they deserve um, because they're actually quite – uh, fun and interesting courses without, you know, having an architect particularly design it. Um, it's just natural landscape. I wouldn't call it Links Land, but it's yep. just literally the the lay of the land and the way they route the holes.
0: Yeah, and and um, yeah. So your website with your you got your blog posts and and your reviews about some of the courses, and you've got a map there on the ones that you you guys have played and things like that. It, that's, I suppose, a little bit of a, a reference for people to go to and, and see what's out there if they feel like going on a trip. If you're allowed to travel, I put that in inverted commas every time, <laughs> to see what's around that they might be able to go, hey, you know what, I can, I can enjoy something. So people can use your website in that way a little bit as well and you're going to add to it as time goes on? Yeah, definitely. So I've, I've already put
2: every golf course in, on, in New South Wales on that map and then I've coloured the ones I've played and the ones that I've got to play. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's a good reference point. Uh, I grew, uh, you know, tirelessly went through the Gulf of New South Wales website and added them one by one. Oh, wow. It <laughs> took a little bit of time, but they're forever <laughs> use. So I encourage anyone who wants to do a New South Wales golf trip to jump on there. And, you know, you might go, oh, I want to go to uh, Orange. Uh, what courses around Orange? Can I add on to that trip? You know, you've got the obviously Duntree Leagues, yep. uh, which is where I grew up. And then you can add on a, a Blaney, which is an awesome nine-hole course, uh, yeah. quirky, short. And then there's other courses around the area like Forbes and Oberon, which are, uh, Forbes has some of the best greens I've, I've played on.
0: Yeah, for, Forbes is, is well-known in the area. Obviously, Oberon, I know I know Oberon, I've played Oberon many times. It's built on the side of a mountain, basically, but runs down to Lake Oberon, which beautiful views from the top of the hill. Um, and like you said, Blaney, a lot of people don't know. It's a, a great little nine hollow. It's got grass greens, which again, people don't even, they, they assume that that has sand greens. And, and it's, um, you know, there's these, these golf courses in these corners of, of uh, country areas, which are fantastic to go and play in nine holes, especially if you're going on a little driving holiday and you're only able to escape within your state for example i think that's it's a great resource and reference that people can use your website so look i, I think um, mate that's fantastic and good to see that you're giving that to everyone with all your hard work and the enjoyment that you guys are having on uh, on your journey so far you'll keep adding to it and that's great for for everyone to utilize i think that's fantastic and i'll i'll ask you a little bit on you, you touched on that the golf courses laid out just on the the paddocks that they're in or the farmland that the ground is that um, where they're putting these courses, no real names and architects or designers quite often. How are you, what are your thoughts on course condition relative to sort of enjoyment level? Because a lot of people, let's face it, in metro areas where we're pretty much, you know, uh, we have it at our disposal that we're expecting a great quality golf course, a high level expectation, you get to regional areas, it's not quite maintained to that level because they don't have the money or the staff or the resources. Do you still find it enjoyable when you come across something that's unknown, you drive along, what's at this town we're stopping for the next couple of nights, let's have a look at their nine-hole or whatever it might be? Can you still get that great level of enjoyment out on a country golf course? I think you can. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I that. I found it really interesting, actually. So we played Emerald a few days ago um, and I just sort of thought, we drove past it quickly and, oh, there's plenty of grass, that looks great, and then um, got on the course and there was, you know, a fair bit of sort of dirt fairways, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, there there needed
2: some rain up there. Yeah, Yeah. and and that was a
1: bit of a, I guess, it just took me a few holes to get my head around you know, hey, this is just what it's like. And, you know, Locke said, look, you can do preferred lies. And and in some places there wasn't even a spot within 20 metres to, to put a little tuft of grass to do a preferred lie. Um, sure. So once I got my head around it, it was, it was much more fun. And I think it's just about your attitude, right? Because then we played uh, Winton yesterday afternoon just on a whim because we drove past it, you know, it was sort of 4pm we thought, well, we could either go to our campsite, our free camp, or we could just go and play this course um, with a couple of beers on our own. And that was absolutely brilliant fun. And there was barely a speckle of grass, you know, sand greens um, and just incredible, uh, you know, difference in, in condition and landscape to say Bonnie Doon. But we just had the most fantastic time and just embraced it. So I think it's all about your attitude.
0: Hey, uh, look, I agree, and I, I love the story. I love this, you know, we're just driving through, saw the golf course, thought, do we play there or do we go to our campsite? Let's grab a couple of beers and go for a ring of golf. <laughs> yeah, that I mean? is literally <laughs>
1: what happened, yeah.
2: These, these small towns, like as you're driving in, they'll all have signs to the golf course because it is one of the the meeting places, right? Like you're driving in you just you just follow the signs and you'll find the golf course if it's gone. It-
0: it it is it's it's um it's fascinating when you and if if you're not a travel person to, to I, I love driving country I love the landscape I love the people I love the 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 peacefulness I love the lack of background noise because I'm I'm living in the beaches of Sydney and I'm not a city person I, I just love that sense of quiet in the background and you you do have this that like, they are central points there's that little blue sign off and blue sign it says golf course down that yeah. road. And and sometimes it starts out tar for the first fifteen metres and there's dirt and on, on, your, on your way. It's um it's fascinating, it's great. And these are the good things. And I love to 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 try and tell people have a holiday out there. Go out and, and really experience a different type of golf and one that you'll all I, I find that people always remember. I, I don't doubt that you guys are gonna remember this trip. For, for so many different reasons, but I think the differences. I'm sure you'll 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 have enjoyed the experience for country courses and the, the little ones that you're finding. And look, what is it that um you is there anything in particular that you find entertaining about playing golf? We talked a little bit about your enjoyment um, and that competitiveness. Is, Leash, is it for you that you you um. Is it just being out? Because I know you do a lot, a lot of running and walking as well out in the bush. Do you find it enjoyable and the peace and quiet out there sometimes and less busy lifestyle, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of it for me, um, which is why, to be honest, when you're in uh, sort of a busy inner city course and, you know, you, you've got, you're waiting on every hole for the people in front of you and, and people are waiting behind you, I, I don't enjoy that as much because I feel a bit pressured. So yep. my favourite golf experiences are those ones where you're just out on your own or, you know, there's only three other groups out on the whole course and you just can take your time and just relax and enjoy the landscape um, and the environment as, as much as the course and, and the shots you're playing. So, yeah, that's what it's all about for me, absolutely.
0: And, and Locke, what are your thoughts on the differences between city and country golf? Uh, we, we've probably talked about a few of them already, I suppose, but, how do you see those differences? And I'm sure there's pluses and minuses. What are your thoughts on it?
2: I like the country golf because of the yeah the relaxed um, atmosphere out on the course. Like yesterday, we were the only ones on the course. I mean, there's there's nothing I like more than being on a golf course by myself. I think that's just so so tranquil. The best yep. thing, like what we like about the golf courses, is that yeah they're basically manicured parks that let you you know walk around. And sort of exercise both physically and mentally. It's a really good way to to uh, yeah. It's a good release like that. And and do you
0: think? Here's a random one. I just just thought of sort of kind of just talking about it. Do you think it's? Oh, I know my beliefs, but do you? What are your thoughts on that? That golfers should try their best to experience real country golf to get a bit of perspective of of what it means to have a little bit less equality and, and potentially do they get more out of the game and out of the sport by playing something that's less manicured and there's less expectation, but it's still golf. It's
2: and it's and it's still beautiful too. It doesn't golf doesn't need to be green fairways and green greens for it to to be golf, right? It just needs to be a course that's out there for you to enjoy.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I've been fortunate enough to play Coober Pedy in the middle of South Australia and absolute well, there is no grass. There's no, actually, there's barely any life there. <laughs> in terms of plant life, you got to, when I played it, it was BYO mat. I think it's BYO synthetic grass now, so they've moved up in the world. But um, you, you can play on a golf course anywhere and still have that sense of enjoyment. It's, uh, I, look, I just think it's fantastic that, that that opportunity exists for different types of golf and there's so many different types of golf in in this country what are you what are you guys sort of looking forward to with a diff? okay let's let's break it down you're going to travel around playing golf where are you going but where, what are, <laughs> where are you going what, what's the
2: plan yes this trip's been about six months in the making uh and it's changed more times that we can count uh <laughs> you know the, the trip came up because of COVID. So we can't blame COVID for uh, it changing our plans. But we were originally going to go across the south uh, through Broken Hill over to WA that way. Uh, but We had to pivot quite late in the piece um, due to the Sydney lockdown. We had to get out of there, go to Orange, then go up to Warwick, Queensland, where Leisha's family's from. Yep. And then from there, we've worked our way in about two weeks to. Mount Isa through inland Queensland, which is a great experience. And I mean, I think inland Queensland somewhere that a lot of people our age don't go, Yes, uh, I think most a lot different. of people will just stick to the coast. Um, cause that's what they know. Yeah. Uh, but I think the country side of Queensland is, is beautiful. And it's something more, more people can experience uh, on a non golf related, uh, point that we went to the Carnarvon Gorge, um, which I had never even heard of, least, had sort of heard of in passing, mm. but that National yep. Park in the sort of middle of Queensland is absolutely sensational. And Lee did a, a blog post about that on the website as well. Yeah, that was yep. my awesome. But from from here, from Mount uh, we're shooting into the Territory Nice. Uh, um, uh, on Friday.
1: Which you, Locke has just uh, told me how many golf courses there are in Northern Territory. Which I think is- there's
2: 11, isn't there?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. You'll, you'll know the answer to the trivia question when I post it on Instagram.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I know for some strange reason, I know that there's 11. I don't know. Don't even ask me how I know that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we'll, be, we'll be playing Tennant Creek on Saturday. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and then from the Territory, we're really keen to like the whole, whole idea of the trip was really to get to WA, somewhere where we won't have this sort of experience again because it you know, to drive there takes so long. You'd only be able to sort of fly to to Perth or Broome and hire a car from there, really. Um,
0: did did you know. McGowan build a Trump wall for WA? Is anyone allowed in? Was, I suppose we, <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> You'll find out when you We've get to the border. Yeah, We've got to hang out for at least two weeks in the NT and then hope for the best. Yeah, right. Well, I suppose we'll see you in the NT. Is that how it goes? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So okay you can you get across into WA and what what is there is there parts of WA again I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of places in the country so I do love talking about golf travel with people you're coming in from the north so what's what's up there is Port Hedland is it is it Kananara is up that way I can't remember um, where are you looking to go from the north northwest side? To
1: be honest um, I've been up that way once through my old job uh on a mine side but apart from that i have no idea what is there except for uh marble bar the hottest place in australia so yes
0: yes I- I know. <laughs> there's a lot of vacant space up there i'll be honest
2: Yeah, <laughs> but so i
0: think beautiful landscape that's really it talk about a place to take it all in as you're driving you know th- a thousand kilometers through the countryside Um, I think obviously we know about Broome and those sorts of places that are magnificent, but colours and textures and and different changing landscapes, it's going to be mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, I I think it will be incredible. Um, And we've just enjoyed that today, actually, even driving from um, Winton to Mount Isa, seeing that change from sort of these grassy plains to virtually nothing to suddenly these kind of hills and rocky outcrops has just been Amazing. So we're looking forward to seeing more of that. But um, I guess the first, you know, main destination for us in WA will be the Ningaloo Reef.
2: Um, oh
0: wow! Yep. Yeah. Which whale be- shark is that? Whale shark territory. I think it is.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we'll make it for the the season there, but I'm sure we'll yep. be able to do some great stuff. And then we kind of want to head down to the the southern part of WA and spend a lot of time around there because there's a, you know a million beautiful oh, national parks and. And places like that to explore so I think you know that's really the 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 main aim for us is to go and spend a good chunk of time there ideally up to two months so we'll see how we go
0: oh wow that sounds incredible and and look I've got no doubt some of the the smaller mining areas will have you know there's going to be the odd nine hole attract that I'm sure you'll be able to have a hit around as you you know it's not quite well okay Here's another one for you. You get down the southwest in the in the, the southern western corner of WA, where it's beautiful, and and you get the, the different temperate forests again, and you start to get the odd sort of those beautiful timber country that they have around Pemberton and Manjimup and so on. Esperance is lovely with the sands, and the and then you got Kalgoorlie with the with the uh, and they've got a beautiful golf course now at Kalgoorlie. That's mind blowing. But are you coming back across the Nullarbor? Is one question that I've got. Yeah, we will be coming uh, back across the Nullarbor. Uh,
2: we were planning on, yeah, not going up to the northwest of uh, WA at all. So, you know, oh, having, wow. to, having to come across the top, we're doing the full lap now rather than. So we'll only get to play the Nullarbor Links once. That, that was that's where I'm going. <laughs> so you will be playing the Nullarbor. Is that on your list? Absolutely. Is, wow, is at the
1: top of the list. I Every would
2: time say. we see a, a grey nomad with the Nullarbor Links sticker, <laughs> we. Yeah, we, we pointed out.
1: Yeah, we're very excited about
0: that. Oh, that's fascinating. Now, I have spoken about this. I, I had a golf travel segment again with with uh, the Nomadic golfer, Tony Ellis, on a podcast a little while ago. And I asked him the same question. And, and I, I'm always fascinated to hear whether people are going to play the Nullarbor Links. And for those that don't know, it's the longest golf course in the world, and it's played over hundreds of kilometers across the flattest plain in Australia and uh, it's it's something that very few people have the opportunity to do because it crosses states as well it's from south australia to wa or in reverse so that's going to be really interesting to see when you get to there so yeah. uh, and then okay uh, we're talking what was it a couple of months to do the your, your full journey how long's your full trip taking 6 months 6 months
2: so then yeah from wa we'll shoot into south australia and then from there to Victoria uh, and then back home to New South Wales. If, if indeed you yeah. can get back in by the time. That's, yeah. that's right. That's, that's the plan, but no doubt it'll, it'll change again. <laughs> yeah, lots I should, of...
1: I should mention, though, that we um, before we started, we sat down and I said to Locke, okay, you've got to come up with 10, 10 golf courses that you absolutely have to play on this trip.
0: Oh, um, I like that.
1: Yeah, 10 non-negotiables. And I said, I'll come up with 10 non-negotiable national parks. And I think Locke, you know, gave me his list and he was very happy with it and had this big grin on his face. I thought, oh, that looks good. And I hadn't heard of some of the places. And then I realised one of them was, what was the one in Victoria that has like three or four courses on yeah, the, the <laughs> national, you know,
2: Nash- Yeah, the national. National, yeah. I thought I could just put the national on there That's and that'll one. cover
0: four courses. You-, <laughs> <laughs> you grouped it into one, did you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nice work. So I'll just I'll just slide that one in nicely. She won't pick that one. <laughs> but I think like,
2: okay
1: of those ten courses, I I feel like maybe seven of them are in Victoria, right? You pretty much had them all.
2: Yeah, I, I picked two in each state, and then I think yeah, four in four or so in Victoria. Yeah, um, wow. I think Victoria just seems to be the, and I haven't played any golf in Victoria to be honest. Um, oh. so that seems seems to be the the golf capital of
0: um, Australia. It's magnificent. The country down there is just so beautiful for golf. And, um, it, you know, many reasons why I think a lot of other places may have missed the mark in time, but Victoria is it. I, I think now that I've been there a couple of times, I, I, can, I can understand why I never really did before, not having travelled down that way. But, but I can tell you now you guys will have an absolute field day when you're down there, or field month, let's say, if you're down there traveling around, so okay, can I ask you if you all had to tell the world? Can we tell the world what's on your list? I'm curious now. Oh, I've got to, i got to remember, and, and, a few, and a few, and a few that, a uh,
2: few that I uh, couldn't quite get on uh, because of COVID as well. Like I think the ones in Queensland were going to be Brisbane Golf Club because it's a reciprocal, and Hamilton okay. Island.
0: Oh, Hamo's just spectacular.
2: Yeah, but they got... Um,
0: but you yeah, can't get over there.
2: Barred. Uh What are the ones in WA? Oh, Kalgoorlie was one for sure.
0: There you go. Yep, Down beautiful. There.
2: And then uh, over in South Australia, uh, Royal Adelaide, which I've heard amazing things about. Yep. Um, As well as Glenelg, which is another reciprocal. Ah, um, oh, very good. to make, Got to make the use of those.
0: Yeah, that's what they're there for. Absolutely. When you're doing a travel yeah. trip like this, that's fantastic.
2: very keen to check out a lot of the um, Western Victorian golf courses, the smaller names along there. So, uh, well, I guess they're not as small as what they used to be. There's such a uh, Port Ferry, Warrnambool. There's a couple around the Grampians um, yeah. that I've heard good things about. But the way I, f- I find golf courses is just to jump on Google Maps and Oh. If you've looked at enough golf courses on Google Maps, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have done, you can find them pretty. <laughs> you oh, know, you may to look in town for the golf
0: course. I, I, I've recently had a chat with uh, Ross Flanagan from My Love of Golf podcast. And Ross, it's just a, a love of cartography. I think I, I could just stare at maps all day. My wife. Bree just looks at me sometimes like i got two heads and I'm just staring at Google Maps just going, what golf course is that one? <laughs> Have I been there before? I love it. Yeah, you, uh, you
2: check the river first. Yeah. <laughs> then you look for a bit of water supply. And then if you're not there, you check the outskirts of town. And then...
0: <laughs> no, it, uh, oh, there's some there. wonderful um, things to see on Google Maps if you're into that sort of thing. And it, it's a great way of finding golf courses to travel. Look, I, I just think it's... Um, the whole trip you're embarking I look, I'm, I'm going to be so intrigued, as you know, to follow your journey for you guys of, of your trip around doing a full lap. Uh, are you ducking into Tassie? Are you getting the ferry across the strait, or is that not included? No, we, we opted against Tassie. I was lucky enough
2: to just before um, Sydney lockdown oh. uh, go down there with a few mates uh, to Barn Bugle. Ah, yes, yes. It's just a complete other experience. I mean, it's sort of country golf meets resort golf meets best golf in the world. <laughs> it's quite
0: interesting, isn't it? It's. Did you go at all leash, or was it just a lock with the boys? How did that work?
1: Yeah, no, that was a sort of a oh, perhaps a more serious golf. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think they all said they would appreciate the course's uh properly or, or a bit more than i would so that was fine um but i have been lucky enough to play uh ratho farm with Loch. oh uh,
0: very nice
1: yeah and that was actually just the best experience i have to say in terms of the golf being great and and very quirky i remember that is it the 18th um hitting over that massive yeah. hedge basically onto the front lawn of the the homestead um, <laughs> was pretty terrifying but um that was, you know, and a great host that that runs the place there, and the accommodation was great. So I'd I'd love to go back there one day.
0: There you go. I think you might have one up on Lock. You didn't get down there, Lock. I've not been to Ratho Farm, but I think it's on everyone's list of of golf in Australia. It's yeah, got no, a we, wonderful we, we name. We were there together actually
2: early. Ah, early very good golf journey. I think we were only about three, six months into golf at that stage? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was very early on, and that was um, yeah, eye-opening with the sheep on the course, the <laughs> um, you know, the fences around the, the square greens, very cool spot. Mm. Tassie's going to be an absolute, you know, world-class
0: golf destination oh, once those two Hobart courses open up, if it's what? already. No, well, that's right. They've just started work on Seven Mile, clearing some, some trees and getting the lay of the land down there. Under the, the Matt Goggin project with um, Mike Clayton involved, it's just going to be a spectacular site and an arm end with Crafter Mogford over on the Derwent in Hobart as well. It's just look, I agree with you, and it's a look. I think we all know that the climate that is Tasmania and the lay of the land. If you've ever been there, you you know what it's like, and it's it's very akin to to the British Isles. And I've not been to the British Isles, but people that I've spoken to have comparing the two, and we compare the climates, obviously. The Scottish um, links that they have over there, the, the climate works, and that's why when you play a barn bugle with the the fescue surfaces and things, it's it's akin to the throwback to the old the homeland of golf, and that that's why it works. It's purely from a climate perspective. So um, you've been there, you've experienced it. You're not going to do it on this trip, but you'll certainly be experiencing some incredible things, and in, and uh, your golf cut golf tour your grand tour of finding fairways tour of australia <laughs> it's going to be wonderful to see um to see what you can show us and i think the other thing is being in in these lockdown times and, and it's a weird time of of life let's say it because it, it's not happened for for a very very long time that we can escape and watch what you're doing we can escape and see some of these things that for those who are you know you you fortunate enough to be able to to make it happen for you guys and i think it's going to be wonderful for people to 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 log on to instagram and to follow your website and see the blogs and read about it it's like reading a book and and imagining being there with you so i, I look i can only say thanks as well for taking up the journey because it's not something that everyone can think about doing or Let's face it. Have the balls to do it. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty it's pretty ballsy to be able to, to say well for six months we're going to do this. And how are you <laughs> feeling being a, a couple of weeks in? What are you, A couple of weeks in now or a week in?
1: Yeah, week and a half uh, yeah. about. So yeah, and I, it was a bit um, a bit of a weird feeling taking off you know, in the midst of, of lockdowns and, and everyone else, you know, facing a sort of pretty, pretty tough time and with not a a set time frame either in a lot of cases as to when it's going to change. So we have been feeling um I don't know if guilt's the right word, but but just it's a bit odd to be setting off on this grand adventure and to be doing something that a lot of people and a lot of our friends uh, can't do at the moment. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do sort of hope that it's um know, yeah, we're certainly thinking of everyone in lockdown a lot every day. Um, and we hope that, yeah, what we're sort of doing and, and posting about does give you a bit of a, a sort of happy um, way to distract yourself perhaps from the day-to-day um, toughness of, of lockdown. Cause we've certainly lived that ourselves um, quite a bit. So yeah, we hope that it, it helps people um, to, to feel good and have an escape rather than feeling uh, yeah. sad they can't do it at the moment.
0: Themselves. Yeah. And you know, you you turn on your TV, or if you look up some of the social media stuff that pops up in your feed, miraculously goes, "Hey, I'm here to yell at you with some some bad news again." It's good to be able to tune into your channel and see what you guys are doing, and you are out there traveling around and showing us some wonderful parts of our country that I think, hopefully, I can say people will get a drive to, in the a drive in themselves to want to be able to go out and experience it. And, and go, wow, you know what, I've heard about that place or look at those images. I'd love to do that. Why don't I why can't I do it with my family for a, a couple of weeks and some of that? So, look, I, I think it's great and I, I think all credit to you for being able to do it and make it work somehow and you've talked about that you're going to have challenges along the way, which hopefully you can roll with and and still continue on. Um, I want to ask you, I don't think i finished the question, is there anywhere in particular you're most excited to see? whether it be golf or national parks, bushwalking, what experiences or experience do you have there? At the, the Probably the one or two on your list that you, you you can't wait to do.
2: Yeah, for me, it's going to be uh, well, Southwest um, WA, just for the national parks and the golf experience all in one. Uh, yep. There's some great golf courses down there that I've heard about. Um, still got to do a lot more research on them and find yep. a few on Google Maps along the way. <laughs> but, uh, Lisa's done uh, heaps of research on the national parks down there as well, and I think it just looks like an amazing area of the, the country that
0: uh, not a lot of people from the eastern states go to. No, no, you're right. I look, at, it is fascinating. I've only been there once and I was quite young. Um, but, but I can speak of it being, you know, especially I haven't come in from we come across an alibor in from the west through, through Kalgoorlie, um, you're going to come coming in for driving for endless days in an empty <laughs> landscape. I think <laughs> it will it will literally be the oasis you're craving by the time you get there, I think. I think but there's, so. the, yeah. there's, some, there's some wonderful country and, and we know that there's beautiful wine regions down there. I don't know if that's your thing, but golf and wine tend to tie pretty well together these days. Um, so, Absolutely,
1: yeah. The Margaret River, we're looking forward yes. to visiting that.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's very, very, very good to hear. And, and probably one last question I, I've got for you guys that it's from a golf perspective and you're both golfers. You haven't been into it as long as a lot of people, but but certainly a lot of people are picking it up recently too. Um, from a golf perspective, what do you think you'll get from this experience? Now that's probably a, maybe a hard question to ask, but, do you, do you have something you, you, you go, look, I, I'm, I'm hoping to be surprised by it or I'm thinking I might find this or that? What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, for me, it's about, yeah, finding those smaller golf courses that no one's really heard of. Um, There's one the other day, uh, Clifton Golf Club, which is near Warwick and near Allora, which I've done post on before. Yeah, uh, And I had zero expectation for this golf course, a quick, uh, Google on the their website said it was, oh, Ross Watson had done some redesign work there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. And right. actual architects done work on this golf course that's in a town of about 100 people. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was Leash and I and this couple of, like two other couples around the course. And it was just one of those golf courses. This is how I sort of describe uh, a golf course is if you have fun, like that's, that's, De- yeah. that dictates whether the golf course is good or bad if you have fun out there and I don't think you know we weren't out there shooting any low scores or anything like that but we both had just so much fun playing this golf course and that's the experiences that where I think we're probably both looking for in terms of golf.
1: Yeah I think that's that's the joy of it is turning up somewhere and not knowing not having any expectations and not even understanding uh, what the course layout is and I think it's kind of you know, to get a bit deep, that's almost like a, a pretty good metaphor for life, really, right? Because, yeah. you, you know, you only get one, one shot at life and you only get to go through once and you don't get to, to pre-plan every club and every every shot you're <laughs> going to hit and execute it perfectly. And that's the joy of an, a golf experience and, and also life, really.
0: You said the measure is, did you enjoy it? And that's different for every person. So... You know, if you enjoy it, then it's great. It doesn't matter where you're playing. <laughs>
2: yes. Absolutely. Exactly right.
0: And uh, look, I, you know, it's so good to hear your enthusiasm. It's so good to hear the way that you're looking forward to um, seeing this experience unfold. And certainly from a golf perspective, which is, at the end of the day, it's what I love as, as a passion. And I love talking to people about it. And I'm so Um, grateful, like I said, to be able to have you on the podcast and talk to you about what your thoughts on golf are. And I hope people are able to get something from this conversation and from people like you that golf isn't always about quality, you know, specifically or like I said, the, the layout or what names are attached to it. It's just about enjoying the sport. It's just about getting the most out of it and having a good time. And I reckon if you can do that and you can experience it different places then you're gonna you know kick a lot of goals on your way around and enjoy your time doing it so look leash and lock i do thank you so greatly for your time in the middle of western queensland <laughs> parked outside mount Ice of course it's been so great to have you on on the podcast to chat about your journey ahead i can only um wish you safe travels and and say that i think we're all looking forward to following your journey on finding fairways Australia, and what's the website? How do we find you? What's the the uh, Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Where do we get you? Yeah, so Instagram's finding fairways Aus,
2: uh, and it's the it's the same uh, website findingfairwaysaus dot
0: com. Okay, wonderful. Just Yep, just Beautiful. And we can we can send messages to you on on Instagram and and you know talk about different things for people if they want to comment and that sort of stuff. It's it's yeah. open to just those things. Definitely, if anyone's got any golf course recommendations, definitely shoot them your way. Oh, absolutely. There you go. If you're travelling through the northwest of WA in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you've got a recommendation (laughs) for them, a recommendation for Lock and Leash, let them know. Let them know. Look, guys, thank you so much again. All the best in your travels, and I I hope that we can catch up maybe when you're halfway around down the southwest or something and talk about what you have experienced in a unique landscape such as Australia and seeing different things. So, I really appreciate your time guys. Thank you so much for being part of the Golf and Greenkeeper podcast. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And I'll I'll have to get Leash to listen to one of
2: your episodes as well on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> we'll thanks so not. much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Bye.
0: What a fantastic chat that was with Lock and Leash. Look, I think they're going to have a fantastic time. I'm really looking forward to following their journey, as you heard in the conversation. And please, like I said, like we talked about, get out there and follow their stuff. You'll be intrigued, no doubt, as to some of the countryside that they are going to experience from a golf perspective well and truly. So thanks, guys, for joining in and thank you once again for listening to the podcast i do hope you enjoyed it i hope you got something out of it as always and look if i could ask you would you mind i would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a comment on as a review on the apple itunes space for where the podcasts are i really do appreciate it getting a couple on there now which is fantastic and that helps spread the word of my little podcast coming out to you so look like, share, subscribe as well. Need you to be part of it so you stay up to date so I can keep you up to date with what's happening. As always, this is a Golf and Green Keeper podcast. You hit them clean and we'll keep them green.